What's up, everybody? Welcome back to episode number two of The Rookie and the Vet. I'm Sean Smith, and as usual, I'm joined by my co-host, Colby Stalkup. And man, it is good to be back. How you doing, Colby? You know, new year, new intro, new me. I like it. We're yeah, getting more like professional. That. Exactly, no. more professional. That's exactly what I was thinking. A quick shout out uh, to the beats makers, Stephen Abood and voiceover man, uh, Brooks Harris. Uh, those are my guys, and I really appreciate it. Uh, first thing on the docket is the recent uh, news that Philip Rivers has decided to retire from the NFL after his 17th year in the league, 16 with the Chargers and one with the Colts. Uh, Colby, your thoughts on that real quick. I mean, he was uh, like, like you, I know you think he's a pretty underrated guy, so let's hear it. So here's the thing on Philip Rivers. I think he is not just underrated. I think he is criminally underrated. He will always be haunted by the lack of bull rings which is a horrible argument because Super Bowl, they're great, but it's a 22-person team. You need more than a quarterback. He was on some Chargers teams that were never better than Peyton Manning's Colts or Broncos even. So he will always get held back by that. But this is a guy that's fifth in passing yards, fifth in passing touchdowns, and he just he retires and almost nobody talks about it. So I just want to be the guy that does. Phillip Rivers, you will never be my GOAT. You'll be close. Shout out, big man. All right, yeah. Philip Rivers, you know, reminds me a lot of my guy, Matt Ryan. Uh, you know, he's never probably never going to have the accolades, like you said, the Super Bowl rings or anything like that. But, you know, just a passing machine and will likely go down as uh, one of the more underrated players of all time, like you said. So let's hop right into it. Uh, you know, the big uh, thing to look forward to this weekend is the NFC and AFC title games. Uh, last weekend, we've got uh, the Packers uh, beat the Rams 32-18. to and Tampa visited New Orleans and beat them 30-20. to We've got Rodgers, who was uh, 23 completions for the Packers for 296 yards and two touchdowns. And Colby, honestly, they were just better than the Rams. I didn't have any doubt that that's, that, that's how that game was going to end up. But you know what? Give it up for Jared Goff. Coming out there with pins in his thumb off a of break. His backup goes out there and dies. Not really. Break, jacks up his neck, but – Comes out there, and I mean, played like a champ. Had about 174 yards. Great, I mean, great game. He missed five or six passes. Threw a touchdown. No picks or anything. And I mean, it, it's, you're right. Packers were going to beat them. But if you look at me for that storyline, Aaron, Aaron Donald did his thing. He is a monster. And Jared Goff held it down. Because I was on the fence about Goff, and seeing that with all heart, I like it. That was a good game for him. You know what, and I honestly think uh, maybe one of the bigger stories from that game is the Devontae Adams-Jalen Ramsey matchup in which Adams uh, came out on top, had nine receptions for 66 yards uh, in the touchdown score. I would applaud Ramsey for that, for keeping Devontae Adams, who's probably a top three receiver in the league, to only 66 yards. Um, but at the same time, you know, the uh, Packers got the win, which is the ultimate goal, obviously, for the team. Moving on, though, we have the Bucks and the Saints. Like I said, the Bucks came out on top 30-20. to 20. Uh, Brady was relatively efficient, 18 completions for 199 yards uh, and two touchdowns, only one sack on the game, but uh, it really seemed like he just had it in control the entire time. Realistic. I mean, this was an ugly game. I mean, it's, it's a 30 to 20, but whoever didn't see this game, it was ugly. No, no offense could get going. And there are talks that Drew Brees is on his way out. He's retiring and he's another one. I mean, people argue with him for goat me personally. I don't think he's there, but, if you lead the league in passing yards, second in touchdowns, and if he does hang it up with those, you're at least a top two quarterback all time, top three, right? But watching the game, I mean, he had 19 completions for 134 yards, right? That's 
that's seven yards an attempt. It's not bad. Inefficient. He, 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 can't, he can't get the ball down anymore. He threw three picks. The only long ball of the game, they had to put in the backup Jameis Winston for. And it, it's, it's, it's so sad because of how much he's done for New Orleans, how great of a guy he is, but the arm isn't there anymore. Um, as sad as it is, he is the one holding New Orleans back. Another big storyline, Michael Thomas. He had four targets, not a single catch. So I think, Drew Brees, we love you. Maybe it's your time to go get somebody else in there, and that way you can really see playmakers like Kamara, Michael Thomas, and I think they win that game easily. But just watching it, Drew Brees' arm wasn't there anymore, and it showed. Yeah, no doubt. And like you said, you mentioned Jameis, uh, that one completion for a touchdown at 56 yards, uh, 56-yard pass down the fields. And, uh, you know, I think that will probably be their quarterback in the future just for the time being. I mean, he's obviously got a talented arm, you know, the first quarterback to ever throw – 30 touchdowns and 30 picks in a season uh, you know, this <laughs> last year. He'll throw them. Um, yeah, no, exactly. He'll throw the ball, which I think uh, New Orleans needs going forward. Um, but, you know, we'll see. They'll, the Saints will be right back there next year. I have no, there's no doubt in my mind about that one. Though. But touching on that 56-yard pass, Sean Payton still has it. Coming up mm-hmm. with the onside kick at half Super Bowl, that dude, he is a genius. He is amazing. Yeah. I really feel like he, if any coach, like any team to greatness, Sean Payton is the guy. Just don't pay your defensive players to injure people, but great guy. <laughs> that, was, that was a while ago. I, I would I hope that's in his past. All right. Well, anyway, moving on, we, uh, we hit up uh, Buffalo, uh, took down the Baltimore Ravens 17-3, excuse me. Um, you know, Josh Allen kind of did his thing, 23 completions for 206 yards with one touchdown. I mean, you know, there was, it was a defensive game. I mean, what, it was, it was very low scoring at half, and then Buffalo finally opened it mm-hmm. up. Um, but uh, – Lamar couldn't uh, find magic in the bottle one more time. Uh, unfortunately, it's, uh, that's been a trend for him. Here is my – I don't – Lamar Jackson, I will always say he's the Giannis of the NFL. He is the most dom- – one of the most dominant players in the regular season, and he shies away in the playoff. But you know what? First of all, Lamar had 14 completions, 162 yards. He threw one pick. But that one pick is going into the end zone to take the lead, and instead it's an 100-yard pick six. And that's – I mean, that was nail in the coffin. And he only had 34 rush yards. So it's not even a – he fell away in the playoffs. But his he needs some help. He has no legit receiver. Marquise Brown cannot catch. I mean, Willie Sneed's their best guy. He is three years overdone. I mean, he needs some help. They're, they're cutting Mark Ingram. So unless they draft somebody – they they need to they need to target somebody like Allen Robinson in the offseason and just yeah. get him some help. Until new, he sucks in the playoffs and I can't trust him. I don't, I don't understand your uh, affinity to comparing everybody to Giannis in the playoffs. I don't get that at all. I, you you hate the Greek freak for some reason. It sure feels like, but yeah, no, I uh, I agree with you. He definitely needs some help. Um, I mean, but shout out to the Bills defense. I would say uh, for holding uh, one of the most dynamic players, if not the most dynamic player in the league, only. Uh, you know, three points, and like you said, 34 rush yards, which is his uh, biggest tool is his legs. And, um, you know, Buffalo is moving on to the AFC title game, um, and that leads us into our next game, which was Kansas City. Shout and- out Bill's Mafia. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, <laughs> Gotta love them. Exactly. They're finally there, and they, they look like they have the team to maybe possibly get it done this year. But uh, the big story from the Chiefs and Browns game is the fact that Mahomes gets hurt in the third quarter, goes down, looks like he struggled to get up, honestly. Uh, might, maybe he has a concussion. He's been going through concussion protocols this week. I've been reading, and he's finally full practice yesterday and Wednesday. 
Um, and uh, I'm, I would be extremely surprised if he's not out there on Sunday. Um, but, uh, you know, it was 22-17 against Cleveland. I respect Baker. I guess that's the nicest way to put it. Um, you know, he's finally coming around maybe knocking off that bus label that he had. Um, you know, but I, I, think, I think the Browns are the team, are the team to uh, beat next year in the AFC North. The Browns are disappointing. They had a great year. They, I mean, they won a playoff game for the first time in forever. I mean, they, they, they did great. But if you take a step back and look, you give Baker Mayfield two Pro Bowl caliber running backs. They didn't make Pro Bowl, but Chubb did. But Kareem Hunt's amazing. He's, he's underrated. He's a kicking problem, but he's great. You give him Jarvis Landry, Juice, OBJ, who is hurt, granted. I'll take it. Austin Hooper at tight end. Harrison Bryant is an underrated guy from Alabama at mm-hmm. tight end. He, he's got the weapons, and the defense is serviceable. And it just seems like – and they gave Kansas City a game. But if Mahomes doesn't get hurt, I don't know how close it is. Um, when you said they're the team to beat next year, they need to be, or else they need to blow it up. Or they, they got to change something. But you can't have that many talented guys, that many big contracts, and not be the team. Not even in your own conference. There's three teams in that conference that could legitimately be a Super Bowl team. They need to emerge as one. Yeah. No, I uh, – it seems – it was pretty interesting to me to – as I was following along with the Browns throughout the year, their offense kind of started to click once OBJ went down, and that's kind of tough to say, honestly. But, I mean, when your star receiver mm-hmm. goes down, it, it felt like Baker was forcing the ball to him. So, maybe he needs more mm-hmm. of, you know, a I, – I guess even Chiefs-style offense because Mahomes isn't forcing the ball to anybody. I mean, he has ridiculous targets in – uh, Kelsey and Tyreek and, will still get his 100, 150. Yeah, but no matter what, just because he's he's ridiculous. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think I think Baker needs another non non diva receiver, which I think uh, OBJ was going to be for him. Uh, but this this season, but I mean, obviously they figured it out. And yeah, I, I do agree. Next year it's going to have to be the year. Um, I mean, Nick Chubb is probably a top five running back in the league right now, and Kareem Hunt does his job very well as the number two out of the backfield. Um, but yeah. But let's quick shout just, out to- I'm going to touch on that. I'm going to – let me touch on one more thing. Yeah. Two things. OBJ, I think, is even more talented than Tyreek Hill. So, I think it's coaching. Or Baker. But there's no way – because they looked ten times better without OBJ. But there's no way you lose as talented as a player as OBJ and get better. That's either got to be he's not schemed in right or Baker has not learned how to play with the star yet. Which maybe one year under his belt, he learns. And then my other thing, Kareem Hunt starts on, I would say, 30 teams in the NFL. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I just think – and touching on the Chiefs, they're good. Chiefs are good. But if Mahomes is really dinged up, that Buffalo defense is good. We'll talk about that in the preview. But Chiefs are good. Quick quick shout-out to uh, Chad Henney, the biggest – 14 yard run of his life <laughs> to keep uh to, to keep uh the Chiefs in prime position to win that game and then obviously converting on the little out route to uh Hill on the on the fourth and one or whatever but I mean that was that was that was ballsy and crazy for him to pull it down with all the weapons that the Chiefs I had love and Andy Reid for it putting the ball in Chad <laughs> Henney's hands I, I I loved although I tell you what that interception was tough it looked like a punt <laughs> it wasn't how, great how high that ball went in the air in the end zone he could have called a <laughs> gosh but. Anyway, yeah, no, I, I would I would imagine the Chiefs roll in uh, this weekend with Mahomes under center. At least I would hope. Otherwise, I think the Bills are going to walk all over them. But uh, let's let's get into these uh, 
NFC and AFC uh, title previews. So first off, we've got the Packers and the Bucks. The spread right now is the Packers are a three and a half point favorite, and the total is fifty one and a half points. Uh, what's your take on that game? Just looking looking at it right now. You know, I think that's going to be the game of the week. I, I really think that one's going to be because how Brady plays. Brady never gets blown out. Brady, I mean, he did actually the last time they played, but it, it's. I'm sorry, you not last time they played. It's it'll be very close. There's not going to be enough much defense played, and I think it'll be the most purest form. It'll feel like old Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be Rodgers v Brady. Devontae versus the three all stars that Tampa Bay's got. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think uh, the pack got enough. I think Green Bay wins it because it's in Lambeau. If it was in Tampa Bay, I picked Tampa. I think that's how close it is. But I think Green Bay wins it, but only by maybe three points. Yeah. No, that's exactly what I was about to say. I I would lean thinking the Packers in the game. But I would, I'd think, like you said, the three and a half uh, spread, three and a half point spread. I would take the Bucks to cover that. I know it's, I know it's slim, but I mean, you know, that could, this game could very easily be 34, 31, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, you know, and I, I think, I think that uh, 51 and a half total. Although I've, I say this all the time, where it's a no-brainer over, and then it's gonna, it'll be, you know, 2017 or something ridiculous like that. But um, that's, that's my uh, inclination to, to my way that I'm leaning um, looking at it right now. It just feels like the Packers are the best team in the NFC. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, they have been the entire year. And I feel like Rogers is going to find a way to get it done. Uh, the battle of two all time great quarterbacks, which is, which will be Absolutely. fun to see. And then on the other side, you've got two, uh, I would say up and coming just because they're young, but uh, they've both, I would say Josh Allen and Mahomes have established themselves as top five quarterbacks in the league right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the spread right now is, Kansas City minus three, so they're favored by three points, and um, and the total is fifty four, which again is very high because, like I said, these high octane offenses going forward. Um, but I honestly could see this being, you know, twenty four, twenty one, maybe. Like I think if Mahomes is not healthy, um, he won't come out uh, firing all cylinders like he usually will. But at the same time, I think that Kansas City just kind of has the scheme, and they always, they always, uh, at least recently, they've been pulling out wins, uh, finding ways to make it happen. I think that defense is going to show up against Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. And if I had to, I mean, my dream in this world would be that Buffalo win the Super Bowl. They, you, there's no better fans in the world. I mean, Bill's Mafia, right? But the two ways I'm looking at this is if Mahomes doesn't get dinged up, I, I mean, I love the Bills. That defense is respectable, and Josh Allen's good. But it comes down to experience. And this is the defending Super Bowl champs. I think the Chiefs win. Yeah. But how the severity of that concussion, I think the Chiefs are not trying to release. I, I think he may be hurt more than people think. Mm-hmm. And playing a defense that scary with the ding up, I don't know. I, I think as far as the total goes, this will be a low-scoring game, which is rare for the Chiefs. But I, I don't see this being over a 48 total. Yeah. I mean, 20, 21-17 type game. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have Kansas City winning because I have faith in Mahomes. But if Mahomes comes out, looks dinged up, I could see Buffalo taking away and just running with it. Yeah, no, I mean, you got to – even when it comes to both games, it's it's pretty exciting times when you've got the definitely three best teams in the league with Kansas City, Buffalo, and uh, Green Bay. Those were definitely the three best uh, teams in the league this entire year. Um, but, I mean, it's going to be uh, – I'm I'm excited is what I'm trying to say. I'm excited for oh, this yeah. weekend. I mean, yeah, I, I this think is a great weekend of football. Great matchups all the way around, and uh, 
we will definitely see and uh, respond to it as narrative. The narrative of the two possible goats of the game, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, Mm -hmm. versus Mahomes and Josh Allen, the two young guns who are honestly on track. You you can't get better weekend of football. Exactly. All right, well, let's uh, switch it up real quick. Uh, Colby, I will let you take this part of the segment. We are going to start this fun sports fact of the day. Uh, we'll, we'll, t- we'll take you through uh, something that happened on this day in sports history. Sean, let me, let me hit you with this. January 21st, 1954. Take you all the way back to the black and white ages, right? It was the first time in all-star history that they needed an overtime to finish the game. Bob Cousy went on, had 10 points in OT. They won 98-93, which back then is about scoring 150 nowadays. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, the all-star starters, <laughs> I mean, headlined by Bob Cousy, Ray Felix, Ed McCauley, Dolph Skate, Dick McGuire, Jim Pollard. The only name besides Bob Cousy that's a household name is George Mikan. Yeah. And every high school basketball kid knows who George Mikan is if you've done the drills. Yep, exactly. But, yeah, so in this day in history, about 60 years ago, first overtime in all-star history. Bob Cousy, former yeah, MVP. I was going to say, I don't know any of those names. I thought I would know one, but I, I, besides Cousy, obviously. And, but anyway. So, yeah, let's, uh, let's transition <laughs> once more and get into our uh, probably favorite topic of the week is the NBA. We will uh, take, you, take you through uh, what happened with Victor Oladipo in response to the trade, uh, the big trade from last week. I love him. I think – I touched on this when we first talked about the trade. If he could be his former third-team All-NBA, he's always going to be a defensive guy. If he could even be close to that, the Rockets were going to win this trade. And now we're not going to – we're professionals here. We don't overreact on one day, seeing how the Nets did and seeing how V.O. did. But V.O. put 32 points up in his debut, along with three steals, nine assists, five rebounds. Following that up against a good Chris Paul, Devin Booker team, 22 points, three steals, six assists, five rebounds. It's the first time ever he got to the guy, and he is showing the Victor Oladipo, and I love it. All around, after rehabbing it, I mean, seeing it happen is great. You got to love Via. Yeah. The- now, saying all that, the Rockets are going to bottom out. I think they may be the third worst team in the league, but it's how it works. Him and Christian Wood's a good pair. I like them a lot. That's actually exactly what I was going to say. I, was, I mean, you, you can applaud B.O. all you want. I mean, he's a great player. I'm glad to see he's getting back. But uh, in the two games he's been back, the Rockets have lost both games. Um, and, against not yeah. fantastic opponents. And the Bulls, who are rebuilding, I guess you could say. And then the Suns, who might be good, but, you know, not, not, mm-hmm. nothing uh, to hang your hat on uh, for, for losses. But, anyway, let's uh, transition one more time. And uh, Kyrie – James Harden and Kevin Durant played their first game last night uh, against the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Nets visited uh, the Cavs. And my first take is Kyrie is just – he sucks. I, I, <laughs> I, and that's, that's putting it very bluntly. He scored 37 points uh, in a double overtime game. But in, in everything that I watched, I, I watched, you know, the first, I would say, quarter of the game just because I wanted to see what was going on. I went back and watched the recap. Kyrie looks – so disinterested in the offense when the ball is not in his hands. And then when it's in his hands, he's like, I'm putting the shot up. I don't care what's going on. Um, you know, and I just, uh, I relate that to the fact that he only came out with three assists in the entire game. 
Um, for your point guard with two Hall of Fame level talents, you can't pass the ball to them more than three times in in a game and have them create a bucket. Yeah. And I mean, it's just I I I find that in in 48 minutes, my, by the way, uh, full 40. He played an entire regulation game. They played double overtime. Um, but I don't I. I don't know where this is going. And like you said last week, somebody has to play defense and uh, you give up 147 to a team with Colin Sexton, essentially as their main offensive outlet. Uh, that's pretty horrid in my opinion. It, my thing is this. I came out last week. and said Kyrie is one of the most overhated players in the NBA. I mean, people are, he's so weird. I mean, it's like he can't share the ball. He's he's the biggest ISO player I've ever seen, but one on one you cannot stop him. But he has no idea what he's doing. I mean, he he's already not going to give you much on defense, but that's fine. A lot of point guards don't when they're that elite at offense. But when you're playing next to James Harden and Kevin Durant, and James Harden scored his first basket, I think a minute before halftime, and this dude is an he's the best offensive talent we've seen in generations. I mean, this he's possibly the best offensive player ever, and you're having James Harden take little to no shots i mean it's 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 clunky now we don't overreact yeah uh harden gets it i mean he's learning he got a rebound he's got a pass mm-hmm. him and durant seem to click like they were in okc yep. but what they all got to adjust to is this isn't harden of okc this is probably the most offensive dominant player in our league next to kevin durant who had a great game Next to a Kyrie who's minus, he was a minus seven on the night. I mean, it was when he was on the floor, they were down seven. And it's just at the end of the day, either Brooklyn needs to get rid of him, he needs to accept his role, or I just don't think they, I think they three or four seed. Yeah, I know. I mean, can't that, see it. That seems to be the problem. And I mean, like you, like you said, I'll, I'll attest to what you, what you said before is that Harden appears to have understood his role. Um, like, like you said, uh, he ended up with 21 points, 10 rebounds, and 12 assists. Um, you know, I mean, obviously in a losing effort, but it only took 14 shots. I mean, he seems to mm. get it. He knows that, although in my opinion, he's a better offensive player than Kyrie. Um, and, but he's still moving the ball. He understands that this, that this is a team game. You're not going to win an ISO, play an ISO ball. I mean, even in double overtime against, I don't mean to hate on the Cavs here, but a sorry Cavs team, you're only putting up 138 points. And a Cavs that's, team that's going to be a top three pick. Easily. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, and, and back to the defense thing, when you're letting Chetty Osman make nine baskets on 17 shots and Demayon Dotson, I don't even know his name. I think he went to Kansas, but I don't know who he is. Um, he's <laughs> six for 12, three for six from three. I mean, I don't, I don't understand how this team is going to operate by focusing so much on their offense, uh, you know, focus on Kyrie Irving and I, I do I play I blame it on him because KD ended up with a triple double 38 points uh, 11 boards and 12 assists I guess well and, and Harden did as well um, but you know they they seem to get it and KD has got to be the guy in my opinion of those three mm-hmm. if it's got if you got to pick and Kyrie doesn't seem to want to accept that and I, I do want to touch on just for the folks listening we know Kyrie put up seven, 37 I mean scoring he can score the basketball but I think almost any NBA player would rather put up zero and win the game, yeah. except for Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving, he, he doesn't play a winning band, brand of basketball. So we just want—we know he can score, but it doesn't work in this system. 
or at least not yet. Now, if Steve Nash comes out, I mean, if anybody could do it, I, I'm a big believer in Steve Nash. He gets the game. Yeah. But Steve Nash, but what I want to reference is when Kevin Durant was on a much better, I'm going to say it better, Warriors team, he had to average. When Durant was there, he averaged six assists one year, six and a half assists one year. Kyrie's three a night isn't going to do it. Yeah. I mean, it just simply will not cut it. There's only one ball. And the defense thing aside, I mean, they got to play defense. And it's not like – if their three stars don't play defense, it's not good. But then, I mean, Joe Harris comes in not playing defense. They just have – I mean, there's not anybody on that squad that can take the best player on the other team besides Durant just for his length. But it'll be very interesting keeping up with them. Yeah, no. I mean, and Kyrie. Yeah. Like you said, you know, they can they could score 140 a night, but that comes from, you know, being a being a team. And that's and again, that's not gonna happen. This all falls on Kyrie. It's up to him what he wants to do, uh, because he'll be the point guard, he'll have the ball in his hands. Um, I don't I don't know. We'll we'll just have to see uh, about that going forward and maybe we'll have more to report on in the next week once they all maybe they'll start gelling or something like that. But as of right now, uh, I don't see that happening. So I want to touch on what I thought the game of the night was the other night. 76ers, Boston, right? There's a couple storylines. Final score, Boston 109, 76ers had 117. But the real thing that I was so fascinated by, loving the game, there's two things. By the end of that game, Joel Embiid was not only having double teams, he had a triple team down for the last two possessions, and then they swap to a zone to stop him. NBA doesn't just swap to a zone, unless your name is Shaquille O'Neal. Speaking of, the last player to have 40 points on the Celtics, shooting 70%, was the big diesel himself. And so, but here's where I thought was interesting. Okay, Joel Embiid, plus 15. That means they scored 15 points more. My guy, Tobias Harris, plus 20. Ben Simmons was a plus two. He was nowhere to be found. They were triple-teaming him and leaving Simmons open, and he could do nothing about it. He went two for five, had eight rebounds, eight assists, 11 points. I mean, it, he is so underwhelming. And he had, the sky was the limit for him, but unless he finds a new team, he will never – he will never – I, I don't even think he'll be all-star caliber again. Ben Simmons is one of the most disappointing players in the NBA. Well, I mean, you could see it in the game. They would rather have Danny Green, Mr. Brick-a-Lot, shoot the ball, and Tobias Harris shoot the ball, and they have this point guard who's 6'11", can run like a gazelle, all-defensive player, and he just can't do it. He's not – I love Doc Rivers. He knew exactly what to do, give the big MB the ball, but couldn't do it. And for the Celtics, <laughs> speaking of team ball, they get it. I mean, they need. They are one trade away from, I think, being very elite. Mm -hmm. They can't rely on Tristan Thompson, Grant Williams, and um, uh, Daniel Thice. But you know, I, I think they're Boston is my sleeper pick for the first seed. Mm -hmm. Giannis is to lose, but I think Boston is a sleeper for the first team. And if Philadelphia can get Ben Simmons out of there for somebody, yeah, they're a great team too. It yeah. was a heck of a game. And just, you know, for context in this game, I'm, I'm looking at the box score right now. It doesn't look like Jason Tatum played. Um, but I think uh, because Kemba's come back and Kemba last night was 19-6, and six, and that's kind of 
what they need him to be. And you, like you said, he definitely understands the team model. I think Brad Stevens has built a culture in that locker room that they get it. They're not going to win as one, as a, as uh, individuals they are going to win as a team. And uh, I mean, Jason Tatum's the best player on that team by far. And uh, once he comes back and like you said, and you know, with Jalen Brown, I think that team could be uh, definitely a force to be reckoned with in the East. And uh, I, I would put them, if the, especially if the Nets keep playing like this, I would put the Celtics as number two in the East and uh, definitely with the opportunity to take on the Bucks if that uh, came to light. Um, I'm going to make me... a statement right now, okay. just so our fans, you know, 10, 15 years from now can quote me on it. <laughs> Matisse Thibel, before his career is done, he will win a defensive player of the year. Okay. He is exceptional. He had four steals in 20 minutes. Yeah. He's, he's exceptional on defense. I'm, I'm looking at I'm looking that way. Right Four steals, Kobe, one Kobe block, up. zero points, zero boards, zero assists. <laughs> and it is – it is he does nothing but lock down player. It, it is amazing to watch. Marcus Smart's going to go out there and score for you. He's not going to do that. Yeah. But he is one of the best pure defenders I've ever witnessed basketball. Just okay. That way you can quote Colby Stalka, offensive player of the year, put your bets on okay. it. Yeah. Man, happened. not this year. Maybe two or three years. Yeah, but January 21st, 2021. Put that down somewhere. All right. Right here. <laughs> well, uh, let me let me take you uh, through the Hawks real quick. The Hawks bounced back finally uh, in an overtime game against the Pistons last night. They uh, were down 15 at one point um, in the second half and uh, pulled it all the way back. Trey played like Trey, uh, just to put it uh, lightly. I mean, he had 38 and 10. Finally, uh, you know, he was three for five from beyond the arc, which was he was really struggling with. John Collins, 31 and 11, and then the big story of the night. Clint Capella, that man is a beast in the in the paint, man. He's twenty seven points, twenty six rebounds, five blocks. Unreal. I mean, you can't get it much better than that as a as a pure center in this league today. Yeah, you. I mean, you never see that either. You gotta love it. I mean, I'm a big fan of the old school big men, and they're dying. I know they are. The game's changing, and it should. But seeing somebody pull down 26 boards, you got to love it. I mean, that just makes you feel good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. But, I mean, especially you being the big man that you were back, uh, oh, yeah. back in the day. Of course, you appreciate you that. Know. <laughs> sure. But, yeah, yeah, this Hawks team, they got a lot of potential. They're not going to do anything this year. Maybe fringe playoff team, but I think they'll most likely be another lottery team. Mm-hmm. They're legitimately one, maybe one piece, one veteran away from being, I think, very good. Yeah, no, I mean, I love, I love the squad that they're running, that they're running with right now. I mean, obviously, they pulled it out last night, and I mean, I touched on the um, injuries and stuff last year. I mean, last year, last last podcast, but um, they were missing DeAndre Hunter, who's been uh, basically the, I would say the second offensive guy behind Trey uh, this season. He's been very, very good, and then Cam, obviously, um, who's just kind of a quality role player right now. They're missing, they're missing those two guys. Um, but other than that, you know, the Hawks are looking up. If they can keep playing like this, you know, I'll be a little more excited. I was, I was a little uh, not depressed, but depressed with their with their play <laughs> the last last week, week and a half. They just have not looked good. Uh, they started four and one, or and are now finally back to five hundred at seven and seven. But uh, maybe, hopefully, they can turn turn this thing around. Uh, Colby, you know, me who knew Hunter had bunnies like that. I mean, he slammed. Yeah. It was all mm-hmm. over the Instagram feed. Mm-hmm. I mean, who knew he that did. He comes out as the most unathletic looking dude, and he he slammed. I mean, he he slammed him. That that dude that dude can play some ball. I I, I love to see it. Uh, give me give me. Uh, we got we got basically the best team in the East versus best team in the West tonight is Lakers versus Bucks uh, tonight on TNT. Colby, let me uh, know what you're thinking about that. 
if it's anything like how the Bucks Nets were the other night, I can't wait. Yeah. For everybody at home who doesn't know, I'm a big fan of the Lakers. I always have been. Not a fair weather guy. I mean, I was around for uh, when Robert Sacre was a starting center. Google it, <laughs> folks. Um, I love it. I think this is legitimately possibly a final. Barring Giannis in the playoffs, I think this is a final preview. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. Because, I mean, it is like Superman meets Kryptonite. Because all the Lakers can do is score inside. All Giannis does is sit inside. Yeah. It's It's – this should be a great game. Obviously, you know what? I'm actually going to pick the Bucks in it. Um, I think Drew Holiday is very underrated. Yep. I think he's going to do his thing. Yep. I think Giannis is. I think Giannis is not going to have a great game. Which I know I'm only hating on Giannis. Today. He's actually probably the most dominant player of our generation, barring LeBron James. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I'm probably going to take the Bucks. But later down the road, that's because the Lakers will probably beat them in about five games in the finals. Five games, wow. <laughs> you want to clip me on that now too? You can. Yeah, put it all uh, there. We got we got a lot of uh, stuff around <laughs> for the next. Six you know what? As an NBA fan, what a game tonight! If everybody plays and plays hard, even close to the way the Nets game was the other night, this is gonna be a great game. I can't yeah, wait. I was I was actually gonna uh, touch on Drew Hol- Drew Holiday, but then you uh, beat me to it. Uh, <laughs> obviously, Drew Holiday has become that third guy that the Bucks need. Um, and like I've said before, I don't have a lot of faith in Chris Middleton, but you know, when Drew Holiday is 16 points a game, five assists, four boards, two steals, that is the defensive stopper yeah. at, in the front, I mean, in the, in the backcourt that, uh, the Bucks have needed because, you know, they got, they got Giannis locking it down in the paint and, uh, they needed, they needed that defensive stopper and Drew Holiday has been everything, uh, that the Bucks have needed this, uh, throughout the season. You think if the Bucks don't win it all this year? That Drew Holiday trades a flop. I mean, they, I think I think they need to get to the finals. They because last last playoffs was a flop, like you just said. Um, mm. uh, with with the Heat, I thought that was an awful, awful showing by by that Bucks team. But uh, I I think I I would like to think that this is a finals team this year. But I mean, like we keep talking about, it, we got to see if Giannis will show up in the playoffs. Um, but. I Once think, they get there, I think I do think it's a success if they get there um, on the season. Mm. So. I just know Kawhi Leonard, when he got traded from San Antonio when he wanted out, and Toronto goes on to win the championship, and the Lakers did it. Anthony Davis, they go on to win the championship. The Bucks gave up a good Eric Bledsoe and two first-rounders, which seeing the James Harden trade isn't astronomical now, but – that's an Eric Bledsoe and two first-rounders to make the finals, which I agree. If they make the finals this year, you're good, but you, they're, on the, they're on the clock. I think they need two, two three years. And, I mean, at that point, it's, it's, it's not verging on that old next trade, but it would not be a good one. Yeah, no, I tend to agree with you. It's, uh, it's finals or bust this year for the, for the Bucks. Otherwise, yeah, you're right. That, that trade is going to look bad, and then the Giannis signing is going to get off on the wrong foot, and uh, they're going to be – I I would not be surprised if Coach Coach Budenholzer was on the uh, hot seat coming next year if they if they don't perform yep. in the playoffs. I mean this is very premature because you know we're only a month in the season. Um, but they, it's it's got to happen this year, otherwise the the Bucks are going to need some uh, reconstruction. Uh, did you, Did you see that uh, Cole Anthony shot last night? <laughs> in possibly the most boring game <laughs> of two bottom feeders, Cole Anthony had himself a day and hit a shot. Yep. I loved it. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Cole Anthony. I didn't like him a ton at North Carolina. But mm-hmm. going through the bra- draft com- 
the draft process and kind of watching him, I've grown to like him. Mm-hmm. I really have. Yeah, I know. I mean, it was just kind of uh, – the Magic are down to, just to take you through it, the Magic are down to the uh, Timberwolves miss a free throw to make it three. They throw the ball forward to uh, Cole Anthony on the right wing. He turns around and fires a shot, and it goes nothing but net. It was, it was pretty cool to see. Um, and, uh, you know, him as a rookie, you know, he's not playing fantastic. He's doing fine. He's about 10 points a game, four and a half rebounds and three mm-hmm. assists, which is okay, but that's not his role. His role is not to be the guy on the Magic um, uh, right now, especially, and especially when Isaac yeah. gets back and Fultz gets back and, you know, his, his role will even, be even further diminished. Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of rookies, what, I mean, you got any – what are your early favorites rookie of the year? What are your early busts? Right now, um, it looks like LaMelo's to lose. Um, you know, he's – 12 points, seven boards, six assists, which he just – he does. He fills the stat sheet. Um, but my only worry uh, is he's still slight in, in terms of his frame, um, and I think he could uh, be injured here or there, and I think that's the only thing you got to worry about uh, for the Hornets fans. Uh, but other than that, it's, it's this is his award to lose. Um, I was – just looking at it right now, I was happy to see Anthony Edwards is up to 12 points a game, which I think mm-hmm. if his role is um, expanded uh, throughout the season, that could be up to 15, 16, 17 points, something like that. But uh, he doesn't really do a whole lot else. He just scores the ball. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and, I mean, speaking on LaMelo, first of all, you're saying, like, Hornets actually have fans. Um, no, I'm joking. That, that, I think they're on the upswing. But uh, LaMelo Ball, I agree. It's his award to lose. But he is – who? what better player to compare him to than Lonzo Ball, his brother, right? Lonzo Ball's rookie year, he had 10 points, 7 assists, 7 rebounds. Rounding, 6.9 rebounds, 7.2 assists, right? I think LaMelo is going to be – his ceiling is Lonzo Ball. And I think Lonzo Ball is a very underrated player. He's a phenomenal passer, great defender. I'm not sold on LaMelo. Yeah. I, I think he is a carbon copy of his brother. His jump shot – is better rookie year than his brother, but I don't think it's great. Um, He's on a team where he can do anything he wants to. I mean, there's no real – he's got great players who can just jump and catch the ball and dunk it, but the longevity of it, you're right. He's slight. He's tall. I think he will end up being a great passer and a great defender of a bench unit, maybe a fringe starter, nothing more. Which is sad because, I I mean, you really want to see stars – in this yeah. league, but I don't know. I, I think I think Lonzo Lamelo is only going to get better. Um, I kind of see this right now as kind of how I, I compare it to Trey Young's rookie year, where Trey was not so good um, even until mm-hmm. Christmas, and that and that was the full that was a full month and a half in at that point. Um, and then Trey finally came alive after that. Um, and uh, I think I think that's kind of how Melo could because he just got to get some confidence and you know get his feet under him and stuff like that in the league. Um, but, uh, I do, I think he'll be a very good player. He's, he's got vision like crazy. Um, and he's a bigger guard, so he's going to get boards. And then, you know, this, the scoring will come around at some point, you know, he's only 12 points a game right now, but he'll figure that out. Uh, I was, I want to see see more of the three ball. I think that that all in all, if he, he's sitting about one and a half threes a night right now on about a five of 10, he's about a 30 point shooter, 30% shooter. But, uh, because that, that's, that's a make or break in the, so you're, if you compare him to Trey Young, Trey Young started out rough. But you can always fall back. The dude can shoot in the gym range. I mean, he's when he's within 35 feet, yeah. he can shoot it. 
if you can't shoot in this league at a point guard, it's you don't make it. And I think he's in the transitional period where he's learning if you can't shoot it, you're not going to make it. A couple of surprises. Kids shoot. Real quick is, uh, you know, we got Tyrese Halliburton, the 12th overall pick with Sacramento, who I don't mean to brag, but was my rookie of the year pick <laughs> at the beginning. He was, uh, he was my sleeper. I, I just kind of looked at that, that situation in Sacramento, you know, other than Fox and Heald, uh, and Heald's pretty much strictly a shooter. I don't really know who else is going to touch the ball. And uh, Halliburton is 11 points right now, five assists, um, shooting 49% from three and 50% from the floor. I mean, that's, that's exactly what you want. Yeah. Hall- Halliburton, I can quote, he, he did quote this. I mean, that was his guy, but. Appreciate that. Yeah, he surprised me. Because he could do it alongside De'Aaron. And I remember when I, they picked him, I was a little worried because I'm, I'm a big believer in De'Aaron, too. I think he's going to be a future. But yeah. I think that works. I think a backcourt for the future. And if you want to give my surprise, Isaac Okoro. <laughs> I was, um, thought he was going to be pretty good. 37 minutes on a Cavs team, essentially built like the Hornets, where you can, everybody wants to score it, you time to shine. He's putting up eight points, two rebounds, two assists in about 37 minutes a game. He's just, he's been disappointing. I think he is, he's got the most potential because he plays the most. But like it. and yeah, I mean, you put him next to next to Sexton, and I mean, you know, you'd feel like you get some opportunities there. But I guess it's not not really happening for him. Uh, on the other side, you know, somebody who, even though he was drafted highly, I don't think people were very high on Patrick Williams um, from the fourth overall pick for, to the Bulls from Florida State. Uh, mm-hmm. He's ten points a game right now. He's you know four rebounds, but my my thing is that he's really filling the stat sheet. He's he's got eleven total assists. Uh, I mean, assists eleven total steals. Uh, in 13 games, which, you know, just under, just under one a game. And then 10 blocks as well, you know, from, from the uh, small forward position. That's, that's uh, those are some pretty good numbers. And then at the same time, I always thought his shooting was, was going to be an issue. He's shooting 50% exactly from three. He's 14 for 28. Yeah. Uh, which, I mean, again, it's not, he's not shooting in volume or anything like that. But, you know, he's, he's got the touch when he needs it. And uh, I think he's, he'll fit real nicely next to Levine and Kobe White and Markinen, you know, going forward. The Bulls have something. I mean, I think the Bulls are a team of the future, and he looks fluid. He yeah. looks very in touch. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, uh, I 100% agree. Um, anyway, yeah. Oh, so let's, let's look at uh, the odds real quick. We, we were going to talk about this. Right this second, for rookie of the year odds, LaMelo Ball is the favorite. Uh, this is all according to DraftKings Sportsbook. He is the favorite. He's minus 177. Um, but like I said, I would – I would take Patrick Williams. He's plus 10,000 right now. That could bring you a pretty big payday for a guy who seems to be getting it done and uh, will definitely have those opportunities because I would think that there are better guys offensively on the team, so he will have the opportunity to put some numbers up. Yeah, and I mean, speaking on betting, some other long shots. Uh, Mitchell, Give me Mitchell Robinson, who's a perennial defender for defensive player of the year he's plus fifteen thousand right now which basically means if you put 15 bucks on him you're getting 2250 bucks and this man's averaging one and a half steals a night 1.8 blocks about 30 minutes a night in a in a Knicks team where they're just gonna blow by the guards and he's gonna be the guy playing defense and Julius Randle will keep carrying him to the playoffs so it's 
it's I like Mitchell Robinson there as a little sleeper pick. You know, something to monitor going forward, speaking of the Knicks, um, we haven't seen a lot from Obi Toppin this year. He just hasn't played. Uh, he's only, I mean, he's only played five games. Um, but, you know, I, I was really intrigued by that pick because they don't really have a go-to scorer, and that's what he was brought in to do. Um, but, he, I mean, currently he's not getting it done. He's only – here, let's see. He's only five points a game. Um, mm-hmm. So, But that, that was – in like you said, he's – about Rotmanson being the last line of defense, and there's not a whole lot of defense uh, in in the yeah. New York, and the, uh, Obi Toppin fits that mold definitely. Absolutely. And then one more I just want to touch on which is a little bit of an underrated one, six man of the year. I like Brandon Clark from Memphis. Brandon Clark? I like him a lot because he's a young guy. I mean, he's an older guy. He was a senior coming out of Michigan State. Um, But anybody that plays with Jaw is going to have success. And coming off that bench unit, if you want a real sneaky pick for six man of the year, I like Brandon Clark. I'm I'm looking at it right now, too. And I my my eyes went right to Carmelo Anthony. Um, You know, he's – I don't have the numbers right in front of me. I can look them up, but I, I just think he is a, he's still a quality scorer. I mean, at what, 36, mm-hmm. um, he's still, he's still scoring the ball pretty decently. I mean, he's only 12 points a game and he doesn't do much else, but I, I think if he, he could uh, get on some runs of 20, 25 points a game, he could bring that point total up. And I think that the writers would eventually just kind of give him the, the award. <laughs> you give him a nod. Being the guy. Yeah. I mean, just for so long. And I think, but he's, he's got to start putting it up, but that would be, my sleeper for sixth man of the year. Anyway, yeah, well, uh, that looks like that's about it for this week's installment of The Rookie and the Vet. Um, Colby, I really appreciate you joining me once again. Uh, we gotta, we'll have a lot to talk about next week. Obviously, we'll have the Super Bowl matchup, and then, uh, you know, obviously basketball will continue. And, you know, my fra- favorite, I'm hoping that Major League Baseball picks up a little bit. Uh, you know, they had, <laughs> had a couple of signings here last week, but nothing, you know, Super crazy that we need to talk about, but um, you know, we're getting closer and closer to spring training, and that's that is the time time of year that I love. So I'm I'm definitely looking forward to that. Uh, Colby, like I said, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, stay safe out there, all right? Absolutely. Next Thursday. Next every Thursday. week Thursday night. We'll be back at it. Yep. Uh, just for the viewers, that's we'll have it up every Thursday night. It's about six o'clock right now, so hopefully we'll have it up in the next little while. Uh, anyway, Colby, thanks for being on, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks, Jonathan. All right.